Hello, and thank you for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If you enjoy this message, we invite you to check out River of Life live this Sunday at 10.30 a.m. in Crawfordville. Visit riveroflifefl.com for service times and directions. That's riveroflifefl.com. Now, let's join Senior Pastor Henry Jones as he teaches from the Word of God. Family members that were, that suffered damage or devastation or loss in any way over in that area. Would you please stand? Well, we want you to remain standing and we want to say a word of prayer for you. But here's something I also want you to do. Uh, I want you to call the church office or either contact me or probably Chuck would be the best person so that we can um, get all of you to have one person take that information. But what we want to do is find out from you how we can help and what we can do. Because I believe what I'm about to tell you, you uh, are privileged and so am I. To be in a church family that really cares and really wants to help, we just need somebody to tell us what we can do. And so, amen, amen, amen. So while you stand, we will pray for you, and then please uh, give Chuck your name, uh, phone number, uh, call us, and let us help. Tell us how we can help. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift up our loved ones, Lord. Uh, And Father, in in the family of faith, when a, a brother or sister hurts, we hurt with them. When they have a need, we bear that need with them. We carry that burden. So, Father, we just pray right now that you'll bless every person standing, uh, the family that they represent, their friends, relatives, cousins uh, that have been devastated by the storm. And we pray for a touch from heaven for them. But, Lord, we ask that you would use us to bless them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to begin with a Bible trivia question. And so, in our text this morning that I'll read in a few minutes, Malachi makes a statement, and we're going through the book of Malachi. He makes a statement, and this is the statement. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution which he loves. Now the word profaned is a strong word in the Bible and it means polluted. And basically this scripture is saying, for Judah has polluted the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. Now I'm asking you, this is the trivia question. What holy institution is he talking about? Hold it. Don't say it out loud. What holy institution is he talking about? For Judah has profaned or polluted the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. What institution? Do you have your answer? All right. I'm going to test you. I'll have you to raise your hands if you get it right. Okay. All right. This is the holy institution he's talking about. Here it is. How many of you got it right? Some of you did. Marriage is the holy institution that he's talking about. In our text, as you'll see in a moment, God loves marriage. 
God loves the institution of marriage. It is one of His holy institutions. Please open your Bibles to Malachi chapter 2, and we'll start reading in verse, verse 16 in just a few moments. But let me bring you up to date. Thus far in our study in the book of Malachi, this is what we have learned. God loves you. He has always loved you. That's what Malachi was saying to the nation of Israel. God loves you. He's always loved you. And of course, we know we even have a better and bigger picture of that love than they did because the Bible says that God so loved us that He gave His only begotten Son. Uh, What amazing and profound love God has for us. So we began our study in Malachi with this. God loves you. He has always loved you. And then God says to the nation of Israel, I am worthy of worship. I am worthy of worship. I don't want you to just go through the motions of worship. I don't want you, I don't want it to just be a ritual. I don't want it to just be something you do. I want it to be something that comes from the heart. Uh, I am worthy of worship. And then the third thing that we learned is that God wants your heart. He wants all of your heart. God loves you. He's worthy of worship. He wants your heart. He wants the deep part of who you are. He wants the core of your being. He wants your heart. He wants you to take this thing of loving God to heart and for it to be a part of your heart. Now, this is what we will see in our text today. He wants your marriage. God loves you. He's worthy of worship. He wants your heart. He wants your marriage. Marriage is His holy institution. Now, before we get started, I just want to tell you, there are a lot of jokes out there about marriage. A lot of funny things about marriage. And I like all of them if they're clean. And uh, there's just some funny stuff out there. I want to read a few that I have in my notes. And I have more than this, but I'll share a few with you. Uh, One man said concerning marriage, we always hold hands. If I let go, she shops. Sorry, ladies. But I'll redeem myself with this one. Here's another one. Some mornings I wake up grouchy, and some mornings I just let him sleep. (laughs) This is one of my favorite. I love being married. It's so great to find one special person you want to annoy for the rest of your life. (laughs) Isn't that good? And obviously, somebody who had a bad experience wrote this one. I was married by a judge. I should have asked for a jury. (laughs) This is a bad one right here. Marriage is like a walk in the park. Jurassic Park. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody's had some bad experiences there. And this one I have found to be true for 47 years of marriage. A good wife always forgives her husband when she's wrong. (laughs) You'll get that one about midnight tonight, and so. Here's another one. Marriage is when a man loses his bachelor's degree and a woman gets her master's degree. (laughs) 
Wow. Only married people can understand how you can be miserable and happy at the same time. <laughs> this is my favorite one. Marriage. Sometimes soulmates. Sometimes cellmates. <laughs> now, honestly, I don't think God minds us joking around a little bit about marriage. As long as we keep it clean. But we also need to remember, we need to know that marriage is God's holy institution. And He loves marriage. Our text tells us that. He loves marriage. He hates divorce and He loves marriage. It's His holy institution. And that's where we'll begin reading uh, Malachi chapter 2. Uh, beginning, I think I said beginning in verse 16, but we're actually beginning in verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another by profaning the covenant of the fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. For Judah has profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. He has married the daughter of a foreign god. May the Lord cut off from the tents of Jacob the man who does this, being awake and aware, yet who brings an offering to the Lord of hosts. And this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of the Lord with tears, with weeping and crying. So he does not regard the offering anymore nor receive it with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth, with whom you have dealt treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by covenant. But did he not make them one, having a remnant of the Spirit? And why one? He seeks godly offspring. Therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously with the wife of his youth. For the Lord God of Israel says that he hates divorce. And it covers one's garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Wow. I have to tell you that I've read this many times over the last couple of months. And I am... I am taken back. I'm shocked. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find any short passage of Scripture in the Bible that has stronger language than this. This is some of the strongest language to be found. I, I, I want to just kind of uh, recap, and I'll emphasize the words in this text. Um, and it's obvious that God is upset, that God is angry. And if you don't think God gets angry, you don't know anything about your, uh, your Bible. Because uh, we have some modern day theology that God never gets upset, He never gets angry, and yet the Bible teaches us it's a fearful thing uh, to deal with an angry God. But God's angry about this. He's upset about this. Listen, you have dealt treacherously with one another. You have profaned the covenant of the fathers. An abomination has been committed in Israel. You have profaned the Lord's holy institution, which he loves. May the Lord cut off from Israel those who do this. You have dealt treacherously with the wife of your youth. For the Lord God of Israel hates divorce. 
Divorce covers your garments with violence, it says. One translation says divorce is an overwhelming cruelty. Wow. Now you're sitting there saying, what is he going to say next? How is he going to turn that into a sermon? Well, friends, it's real simple. We just have to read the text and stay with it. Basically, what we learn from this text is when a man or a woman pollutes the covenant of marriage, breaks that covenant of marriage, does damage to that covenant of marriage, that it creates a situation that produces violence and cruelty and devastation. One of the things that I've learned through the years as a pastor, as I've walked through divorce with many, many people, is this, friends, is that it's devastating. It goes beyond words. It goes beyond description, how tragic it is. If by some chance there's somebody here today and you've been betrayed, you you put your faith and trust in someone and they violated that faith and trust. You entered into a sacred holy covenant with someone and they treated it like an unholy thing and were willing to throw it away. You know this is not an overstatement. It is violent. It is cruel. It feels like your heart is being ripped out of your chest. It feels like everything in you has been violated. It creates a wound that only God can heal and a memory which never goes away. Those who have been hurt deeply, you know what I'm talking about. You see, this is not an exaggeration. It covers your garments with violence. This is a holy, sacred institution that God loves and He created it for the welfare of man. And when we treat it like trash and when we're willing to throw it away and pollute it and not live by God's standards, it does horrible things. It does devastation to other people and God does not take kindly to that. Oh, friends, this is a serious matter. I just want to stop right here and say... If you are married to someone who is faithful, be thankful and don't take that for granted. That's a holy thing. That's a sacred thing. This is all about God's plan. Israel had deviated from the plan of God. This is about God's plan. It's a wonderful plan. It's a beautiful plan. This is what it looks like. A young man grows up, a young woman grows up, and then they, they come together in the covenant of marriage. Now, I or some minister may pronounce that covenant of marriage over them, but really, according to the Scriptures, that when they come together, it is God who seals the marriage. It is God who puts it together. Now, 
These individuals may have played some part. I'm assuming they do. We can talk about the sovereignty of God and we can talk about free will and I don't know what portion of free will is theirs, but somehow, some way, they got to that altar and God Himself put His hand upon it and He sealed that marriage. He brought them together. The Bible says, What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. That's strong language. That means nobody in the covenant relationship or outside the covenant relationship has any business tampering with this holy institution that God loves. Are you with me? This is, this is, this is heavy duty. God puts it together. That was the most pitiful clap we've ever had here at River of Life. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. When God says something we don't agree with, we say, yay, yes, amen. That's the truth. And I'm reading to you the truth of God's Word. And you're not clapping for me. You're clapping and saying, that's right. God says it. I believe it. That's what you're clapping for. And you see, God does it. God brings this young couple together and and they come together in marriage and they become one in God's eyes. And it is an absolutely beautiful, majestic thing that, that these people now, this couple in the covenant of marriage, it is beautiful. They love one another. They are to fulfill one another. They are to complete one another. They are to be satisfied with one another's love. They are to do whatever it takes to meet the needs of one another. This is what the Scripture says. And it is so beautiful. And when we go to Scripture itself, it even becomes more beautiful. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. And He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be subject to their own husbands. Husbands. I'm assuming some wives were actually clapping. We've listened to modern day theology and humanism so long that we've abandoned what God's Word teaches. And this is the truth and it's a beautiful, glorious thing where wife submits to her husband as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife even as Christ is the head of the church. It's a beautiful thing, but it's not lopsided. There's another side of it. Husbands. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and He gave Himself for it, that He might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word, that He might present it to Himself a glorious church, a glorious bride, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. For when a man loves his wife, it's like loving his own body. He that loves his wife loves himself. That's what the Scripture teaches. Can you think of anything more beautiful? 
You, you've got a, a godly woman respecting and submitting to her husband, and you've got a godly husband who's sacrificing his life to make her a radiantly beautiful person before the eyes of the Lord and the world. Can you think of anything more beautiful than that? It's it's a glorious thing, this holy, sacred institution of marriage where you have a devoted uh, man and a devoted woman who understands the, the ways of God and the Word of God, and they're loving and respecting one another. And then in that context, God does something amazing. He loves marriage, and this is what He desires out of marriage, godly offspring, that they bring into the world a child, and they raise that child in the love and the admonition of the Lord. They raise a child... That grows up. That was appropriate. That was, that was a scream right at the right time. <laughs> we raise those children to live godly lives. And can I tell you here today, friends, if you have had the privilege of bringing a child into the world and you have raised that child all the way to adulthood and that child loves God and desires to live holy before the Lord, That's your greatest accomplishment in life. You can't do any better than that. That is is amazing. And do you understand that divorce short circuits this holy cycle that God wants? It interrupts something sacred. It interrupts something that God loves. It interrupts what He desires. It, it does great damage to society itself. And God hates divorce. He loves marriage. He wants godly men and women to raise up godly offspring. And I got to tell you, after, I got to tell you, after about 40 years of pastoring, I've heard every excuse in the world for getting a divorce. I've heard so many excuses, you just wouldn't believe it. And I've found out this. When you want to do something, one excuse is as good as another. When people come up with crazy, crazy things. And, and I can't go over all the lists, but I'll tell you something. Here's one, and I just hate this. I hate this. And I hear people, I, I hear people say, the children will be better off if we divorce. Now, do you know how you can know that's not the case? Because the Bible says. That's the reason God hates divorce. Because the children are not better off. They're not better off. The children will be better off if we divorce. And basically what happens is, is people will use any kind of excuse they can find to get out of a relationship they don't want to be in. And it's just wrong. By the way, if children will be better off if you divorce, why not ask them? Why not, if you're thinking about getting a divorce, why don't you call your children into the room, sit them down and say, you know, we've been bickering and fussing and fighting and the atmosphere is terrible around here and we're, we're, always, uh, we're always at each other's throats. And so we want to ask you children, what do you think we should do? Should we get a divorce or try to work this thing out? Come on, what's the answer you're going to get every time? You know why? Because it devastates them. It rips their hearts out. And so... so Ask your children. They'll tell you the truth. And here's one. 
Man, I've heard this one a lot. I just can't take the verbal abuse anymore. I just can't take the verbal abuse anymore. Really? Is that the best excuse you can come up with? Listen, I've been married for 47 years, and my wife has always verbally abused me. <laughs> always. Now, 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 most of the time it has to do with her telling the truth about something that I don't want to hear. I'm serious, and so, uh, and I'm sure I've verbally abused her in the same way. Friends, come on, be honest about it. When we look at this, how near and dear it is to the heart of God, how sacred it is, how important it is to God, we should not be looking for reasons to get out of a marriage. We should be looking for ways to fix a marriage and get it back in proper alignment. with the Lord our God. That, that's what we should be doing. Yeah, really? Isn't God... I mean, isn't it in order for God to be angry when a nation or a people treat something that's so holy and, and so important like it's trash? When people mess up something that is so sacred and special to God, I think the church, I think there's so much divorce and, and so much uh, of this going on in the world today that preachers won't get in the pulpit and preach the truth anymore because they're afraid half the church will leave. But, but I'm telling you, this is the Word of God. Don't tell me that God hated it then, but it's okay now. That's just not the case. God, in every sense of the word, God hates divorce. He hates it. Think about it. We, we live in a nation where uh, no-fault divorce. You just want a divorce, you get a divorce. It's just coming. Nobody even raises an eyebrow anymore. We're, people are getting a divorce. I, I, uh, some years ago, uh, well, many years ago, my wife and I had a couple... Uh, in uh, school when we were preparing for the ministry and we were best friends and we loved them and 15 years later we ran up with this couple at a convention at a southern baptist convention and i ran into him and and you guys that have been there you know how crowded it is and we were in the hallway and i mean it was just crowded and and there i saw gordon and and i said hey gordon how you doing man and we hugged, and I said, man, it is so good to see you. And I said, how's Donna doing? I didn't even notice the woman standing right by his side. And he said, well, Donna and I divorced years ago, and this is my new wife. Pastoring a church? C- come on. There's a breakdown somewhere, isn't there? Some- something's wrong. It's... It- it's not just pick and choose what you want out of God's Word. If you really want to be right with God, you have to take it all, even if you have to take it on the chin. Amen. Even if you have to fall on your own sword. Even if you have to get on your face, you have to take it all. Divorce is commonplace. And then think about this. Think about this. The perversion of same-sex marriage is being forced upon us. And that's just unbelievable. And, and how about this? 
Do you think it could get worse than same-sex marriage? Yes. Yeah, I, you're going to think I'm making some of this stuff up, but I'm not. I want you to listen to this. A British woman marries a dog after her husband bails, and I don't think she's talking about another man. I've heard that expression. I heard that expression talking about a real man. But anyway, uh, I saw another headline. Woman marries horse. Brazilian man marries goat. You think I'm joking you. This stuff is going on. You can find dozens of illustrations. Have you ever seen a, a man in a tuxedo and a goat dressed up in a bridal? You can't make this stuff up. A ceremony. I saw it where he was being married to, to a goat. Somebody married a cow. Somebody married a dolphin. Somebody married a cat. What, what is, what's going on here? I'll tell you what's going on. It's easy to see. A very real enemy is striking at the heart of something that God loves. Something that's dear to the heart of God. Something that's sacred. Something that's important. And the enemy, the real enemy, there's a real enemy out there, and he is throwing darts at this sacred institution. And divorce is rampant. Perversion has come on the scene. And now, ridiculous things are going on. Why wouldn't the enemy strike at the heart of something that's so near and dear to God? And I want to tell you something. You may not be aware of this. You need to be aware of this. I don't care who you are. I don't care how long you've been married. I don't care how stable your marriage is. The enemy is warring against your marriage. God loves marriage. And he hates divorce. And the devil hates marriage and loves divorce. The devil's trying to destroy your home. I have a word for you today. A real simple word. Don't let the enemy destroy your marriage. Don't let the enemy destroy your marriage. Don't let the enemy destroy your children. Stay with God's plan. I want you to see verse 16, at least a portion of verse 16. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Twice in the text it says, take heed to your spirit. Take heed to your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Make sure you get this thing right. Pay special attention. Examine yourself, the deep part of who you are, your spirit, and make sure you get this right. Now I want to close with this. What if you've already failed? What if you've already been through a horrible divorce? What if you've already had your heart ripped out or maybe you ripped somebody else's heart out? What if you've already messed things up? What then? Well, friends, this is what you do then. You repent. You get it before God. You don't try to excuse it. You call sin, sin. You identify something for what it is, and you say, you know what, I was wrong to have any part of the breakup of the marriage. And maybe you didn't have a part of the breakup of your marriage. But if you did, then you, you admit it. 
And I will tell you, friends, right now, there are some biblical reasons for divorce. This is another sermon, but I can tell you real quick. Jesus said in the case of, of uh, uh, infidelity, in, in the case of adultery, Jesus gave a clause there that says, okay, in this case, uh, fornication, sexual sin. If a part of a, your marriage partner violates that, then that's a cause, a clause for divorce. And then there's another one that says that if you are committed to the Lord and you're living this holy, sacred life and you're going after God with all of your heart and the person you're living with does not want any part of the church, any part of God, any part of Jesus Christ, any part of it, and they tell you, you've got to follow me into sin or I'm leaving you, and that person abandons you, the Bible says the brother or sister is not under bondage in such case. The Bible is real clear. There are some exceptions here. But what have you failed? What have you blown it? What do you do? Well, first thing I want to I want to say to you this morning is this. This was not written to condemn. This was written to save. This is all about redemption. Do I need to remind you where we started? I love you. I have always loved you. I am worthy of worship. I want your heart. And now you've got to understand, I want your marriage. I want your marriage. I want your family. I want it. I want it to belong to me. And this was given to Israel and to us for us to know the heart of God and to know how God feels about these things. There was a thief on the cross. All he said to Jesus was, Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And a man that had lived a dishonest life his whole life in a moment woke up. And when he woke up, Paul, if you did that on purpose, you're fired. (laughs) But in a moment's time, he realized that the way he'd lived was wrong and that Jesus was right. And he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. A woman was caught in the very act of adultery and they brought her to Jesus and Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. This is not about condemnation. This is about learning the heart of God. This is about knowing what God loves, what He likes, what He cares about and then committing yourself to it and living the rest of your life in the love of God, submitted to the teachings of His Word. I close with one of the most amazing illustrations that God's ever given me through the years, and I lived all the way through it. There was a state trooper here in Wakala County many years ago. This was back during the 80s, 70s and 80s. And I met him, and I started witnessing to him. I don't think he was a particularly good man. I don't think he was a particularly bad man, but he just had his interest in everything else. And so I started witnessing to him. And this took place for, I mean, over a long period of time. 
I got to know him well enough, and I realized what I was doing was probably not good, but I would see him out on the highway in his state trooper car, and once I realized it was him, I would flash my lights at him, and he would pull over, and then I would pull over, and there were times I'd get my Bible and lean up against his car and share with him out of the scriptures, and he let me do it. He let me do it. By the way, his name's Ronnie Serber, if you haven't already guessed. And uh, Ronnie would let me do it. And I did that for a long time until somebody in the church said, Pastor, you have got to stop speeding. You're giving the church a bad reputation. Every time I turn around, I see the state trooper has you off on the side of the road. That's what they said. And I said, no, 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 no. He's not pulling me over. I'm pulling him over. (laughs) Yeah, like we really believe that. Okay. One night, it was a miraculous thing. My wife will verify this story. I told her, I said, the Lord spoke to me. I said, God says, Ronnie's ready. Let's go to his house. He's going to receive Christ tonight. It was a direct word I got from the Lord. I grab my Bible. She jumps in the car. We go to their home. I knock on the door. He and his wife are seated at the table. Uh, He says, come in. And I sat down with him. I'd shared the plan of salvation with him so many times I didn't need to share it. And he just looked at me and he said, I'm ready. We took hands around the table, and within three minutes after walking into his kitchen, he was praying to receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. And then Ronnie. Amen. Amen. And about a week, and we scheduled baptism. About a week later, Ronnie comes and he's just all frustrated and he's all upset and he says, I think I did something wrong. I think I did something wrong. I said, What, Ronnie? What do you think you did wrong? He said, well, I haven't been baptized yet. I said, I know, we're going we're gonna to baptize you. It's going to be okay. And he said, yeah, but I've already led like four people to the Lord. Is it legal to lead? <laughs> Is it legal to lead people to the Lord before you even baptize? I said, Ronnie, you can lead all the people you want to to the Lord before you baptize. And, and so he said, well, man, I was just worried I'd done something wrong. I said, no, it, it's all, all good. And then one day I was at the office. Diane remembers this. He pulls up in front of the office, comes in, he says, I need you to go with me. I said, where are we going, Ronnie? He said, I can't tell you. And he said, but I need you to go. I said, what do you want me to do? He said, nothing. I just need some support. So Ronnie and I left Sopchoppy and we drove to Crawfordville and we pulled up in front of a house. He said, come on, we're going to go in. I said, Ronnie, I don't want to go in that house unless I know where I'm going. What is going on? And this is what Ronnie said. Ronnie said, this is where my ex-wife lives. I didn't even know he'd been married. I knew his present wife, and she got saved at the same time, and a beautiful, godly woman. But I didn't even know that he had a, a previous wife. He said, this is where my ex-wife lives. I'm thinking, this is not going to be good. I don't like these domestic things. What is he upset about? So so anyway, we knock on the door. They see us in. His ex-wife and her husband are there. And he said, can we talk? They sat down on the sofa. I sat there. I want to tell you, I am really nervous because I don't know what is about to happen. And Ronnie looks at his ex-wife. This is what he said. He said a few weeks back, At my kitchen table, I invited Jesus to come into my heart. I've never felt anything like that in my whole life. He said, it changed me. And he said, I've asked God to forgive me for everything I've ever done wrong. And he said, I'm here today in your home 
to ask you to forgive me. He said, and this is verbatim, he said, I sinned against you. I violated our marriage. I did something I should not have done. I've asked God to forgive me. Now will you please forgive me? I'm going to tell you what. There was four people in that room that day and we were all squalling. I mean, we were crying. And his ex-wife looked at him and she said, I forgive you. And then we had a prayer. And then Ronnie looked at them and this is what he said. He said, I have just one request. He said, if you have accepted my apology and you've truly forgiven me, will you and your husband, and I don't know how long in the past that had been, I never asked. He said, will you and your husband come to church with me on Sunday morning and sit with me and my wife in church together? And the next Sunday, Ronnie Serber and his wife and his ex-wife and her husband sat together on that pew and I preached to them the next Sunday. I was choked up the whole time. Friends, I want to tell you, even when there's been a mess, if you'll follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit, God can take a mess and he can bring redemption out of it. I, I, amen, amen. Listen, for all the mistakes we've made, you repent, you get it before the Lord, you ask the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you. Take heed to your spirit that you do not ever deal treacherously with anyone again, especially the person you're married to. Your marriage belongs to God, and He wants you to recognize it as a holy institution. Would you bow with me in prayer? Thank you again for listening to this life-changing message from River of Life. If this message has touched you today, or you need someone to pray with you, then please let us know. You can call us at 850-926-1200 or send an email to info at riveroflifefl.com. We also encourage you to visit River of Life this Sunday at 1030 a.m. in Crawfordville. For more information, visit us at riveroflifefl.com.